This is Sporting Max with Max Becker on SEN. Welcome back to another episode of Sporting Max. Today on the podcast, we've got a WBF Superfly title champion, WBU Australasian Superfly champion, and a dual Olympian and dual Commonwealth Games athlete. It's an absolute honour to have this man on, Brad Hall. Brad, it's great to have you on. How are you? I'm good, Max. How are you, buddy? Thanks for having me on also. I'm really great. Thank you. Um, Now, I want to get into Australian boxing currently. We know Australian boxing's in a great place, both Nikita and Tim Zhu, um, I guess, leading that charge alongside George Cambosis. Both the Zhu brothers in, um, both of their last fights have had first-round knockouts, um, and not to mention, you know, the likes of guys like Ben Horn. Yeah, we've got a few good boxers at the moment, um, and this is probably the probably most exciting time that I've seen since, like, it's funny because... Costa, the the zoo's, you know, Tim and Nikita Zoo's father. Um, you know, when I was when I was a young kid, um, it's exciting like that again, which is really, really good to see. And um, we've got some good up and comings uh comers coming as well. And um and it's not too far before we got another Olympic Games in, in Paris, like only years ago. So um, you know, it's all all systems go. Yeah, absolutely. Can we expect the Zoo brothers to beat that Olympics? No, nah, they won't be at the Olympics. They've they've gone through the um through the pro system and and probably getting a good uh, career out of that way. And uh, yeah. like the Olympic selections already sort of started, so there would have yeah. been they would have had to do a lot of uh, paperwork to transfer back over to the yeah. um to the amateur scene. But you know what they're doing in the sports on the other side of the the professional ranks is is amazing, and um, they've really put Australia on the map again. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Brad, I want to get into, I guess, a bit about your journey and what was, I guess, your childhood and growing up like for you? Well, I started, you know, I've always been a, a pretty sporty kid and, um, you know, I was, yeah, three brothers and a sister and uh, we all had a bit of sport in us and all played different things as well. Um, but how I got into boxing was um, I was a little bit too small for rugby league and um uh, at the age of nine my dad said right you need to build some confidence up and he, he told me to go uh, pick between taekwondo karate or boxing i chose boxing at the age of 10 um and i started at pcyc uh in Parramatta in new south wales and um at the age of 10 i think my first coach told me that i'd make the commonwealth games in 2002 wow. in manchester and um i didn't even know what the commonwealth games were or anything like yeah. that at the age of 10 and um, I was, you know, I qualified for my first Olympics at the age of 17, 18. And uh, I remember ringing him and said, I'm two years ahead of you. I just qualified for the Sydney Olympics. And um, <laughs> that's sort of how I got into it, you know. And um, I had that really good, um, busy type of year since like a, a kid from the, you know, age of 16 to 26 was just, mm. um, you know, sleeping, uh training and eating really um physio doctors and all that type of stuff and it was it was pretty full-on but you know as a, as a young kid I lost my first 10 10 fights growing up as well so I lost my first 10 fights straight and um I even looked at my coach and said are you sure you know this is meant to happen he goes mate you'll realize later on um and you know and that's sort of what happened as soon as I started to get a little bit older it's you you know, I ended up fighting most of the guys that beat me and got them yep. back and yep. and um, just building from that, really. So that's how my sort of yeah, childhood – I had a pretty good childhood um, bringing up anyway. 
what was that like, I guess, at the age of 10 to have someone instill um, that amount of confidence um, in you? Well, at, to pick it at the age of 10 and um, to, to tell you you're, you're going to be something, it's, it's pretty, I don't know how I could pick it, but, um, you know, with, especially with a record, mate, you know, I had like zero and 10. And, right. um, and I think my first national titles, they weren't going to take me. My record was um, three wins and 14 losses at my first national wow. title. Uh, and um, my coach told him, he goes, no, nah, he'll win gold at the, you know, I, was, I think I was only 13 or something. So, um, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's always good to have someone believe in you. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I guess what age did you start competitively fighting at, uh, prior to that nationals when you were 13 years old? Oh, I, I started, yeah. So I still had like my, um, you know, about the, still doing it, but it was, it was a bit of fun, you know what I mean? And yeah. uh, I think when I, Basically, when I went when a bit serious was about the age of fifteen or sixteen was when it really went. Um, God, this is, you know, this is my job really. And yep. then you, then I think we just set up bigger goals like the Olympic Games. And I still didn't, didn't really even know how big the Olympic Games were until I went there. Mm. Um, you go in there and it's it's huge and um, totally different ball game, mate. And um, but that's that's how it worked. It was had to be like that, and um, growing up like that as well. Take us through training as a young kid from, I guess, that age of fifteen through to that two year period when you were seventeen and qualified for those two thousand Olympics on home soil. Yeah, it was it was, um, you know, being sixteen, it was like sleep eating and and yep. training and just waking up. I think I left school pretty early as well. Mm-hmm. Um, at, so you it was know, just I went pretty to much training twenty four seven. Yeah, just like, you know, I train twice or three times a day and getting looked after and, you know, lucky to have mum and dad take me everywhere as well. Um, I think in 99, I might have made my first um, Australian side wow. um, and won a silver medal at the Oceanas. And then, um, then it really went really serious there because we were a year out from selection for um, the Sydney Olympics and uh, coming up against a lot of different people with, you know, I was still a little kid sort of like at the age of 16, 17, and they, I was fighting like men. And, um, mate, it, it was just, yeah, it was from the age of 16 to 17, it was just fast forward to like, the Sydney Olympics, that whole thing. And yep. I, I seen Sydney, I used to live 20 minutes away from the Olympic um, wow. stadium. And so I seen it get built. And um, yeah, it was, you know, every day I'd, we used to drive, oh, every weekend used to drive past and I used to tell mum and dad, I'm going to be there one day, one day. And mum and dad were in the front going, oh, yeah, yeah. And yep. then all of a sudden you're walking out to the open ceremony there and, um, you know, at the biggest event in the world. Was there, I guess, a change in, I guess, your physicality over those few years? I mean, I assume there would have been training, I guess, almost full-time um, as an athlete from leaving school at the age of 15. Yeah, that's all I did. Like, I, you know, I had to stop hanging out with mates also. Um, you know, there wasn't, you know, I, had to, I was on a strict diet as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's all these little things. Like, I, I didn't have, like, an 18th. Uh, I didn't have a 21st because of all this stuff with with training and and um, along that sort of side of things. But my, I think my mates, my really good mates, really knew what I was going for and really respected that. And 
um, you know, that encouraged me to train or they'll come and train with me and, you know, then we'll have some fun after, like, you know, watching movies and just hanging out like as what kids do. And When did you decide what weight classification you were going to aim for? Oh, I was the smallest one anyway, so I wasn't going to be too big, mate. So um, <laughs> it was just sort of that thing you had to grow into. It. Like my first Olympics is... When you, I look back on it, I'm not sure if you know, but my first Olympics wasn't the best Olympics at all. I was a uh, local boy and I missed, I, I got disqualified uh, yep. at my first Olympics for failing. I didn't make weight. I was yep. uh, weighing at 48.3. So um, it was uh, a big learning learning thing for me. It's like, you know, once I made that Aussie side, we went overseas and there was a lot of different training, a lot of weight training that I've never done before. Also, mm-hmm. I had a growth spurt. And, you know, it, it taught me a lot. It, I think it's, it's made me a better person who I am today. You know, it's, you know, I failed to make weight at the biggest sporting events in the world. But the next, you know, six years was the biggest thing where I um, just was focused on everything. It was a, a thing where I was just focused and um, I had to prove a lot of people wrong. And that's what I used as my, that's what I used for my, my motivation. That would have been crushing to not not make weight, uh, I guess, on the biggest stage in the world. Yeah, it was, it was very hard. I was probably probably lucky there wasn't no, um, you know, phones or social media around yeah. much that day because yeah, uh, I reckon I would have got I would have got hammered. Um, but it was it was pretty hard walking around and and. Um, you know, people seen it in the papers and stuff like that and hit me up. Yep. But I think the worst thing was probably for the next four years till I tried to go to the next Olympic Games was everyone, all the, the big journalists were writing, are you going to make weight? Are you going to make weight? Yeah. Um, so that was sort of their little story they were riding off. And then Is I that at the forefront of your mind? Yeah, it was always there. But I went up a weight division too for the next yep. one. Um, and then... You know, it was it was more like just prove people wrong at a different weight class. But the journo's kept saying, "Are you going to make weight?" Or they'd always ask about weight. And I remember going to Sydney Olympics, and I remember, I mean, the Athens Olympics, and I remember going, "All right, we can, you can cancel the um, stop asking about the the weight now. I've made weight. It's yeah. time to focus on what we've got to do." Can I just press pause? Sorry, Max. Yeah, yeah, all good. That's all good. Yeah. I just got to sort this kid out. Yeah, easy. Sorry, buddy. So, Brad, can you take me through, I guess, you mentioned those 2004 Athens Games and I guess making weight was at the forefront of your mind. The Manchester Games, uh, Commonwealth Games, would have also been uh, a massive determining factor for you too. Yeah, the, the Commonwealth Games for at Manchester, all I wanted to do was make the side. Yeah. Um, I was at a different weight. All I wanted to do was just sort of, Say, look, I'm just gonna, I'm just to let people know that I'm still around. I'm mm-hmm. at a different weight, but I can still beat you all. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was my sort of the the goal was just to make the side. Um, you know, and if you know, if I w- come back with a medal, I'd, I'd come back with a medal. Unfortunately, I got beat by Sri Lanka in the first round, but it was a learning thing anyway. It was a different weight, uh, and then we had that big two years to to for. Um, or the Athens Olympics where, you know, it was a lot tougher. I had like about five fights in Australia, um, the state title as well. I had probably two, but then the um, Australians, I had, you know, 
I had about five fights there and with that too, I had two other Olympians in there as well. One that was on our team from the Sydney Olympics who, yep. you know, he, he was one of the guns for a long time. And then I had, we had a guy from Iran that tried to come through our system as well. Um, the thing was just to prove people wrong. That, that's what I sort of did was I, I changed a lot of things also with my training. Um, you know, I'd train in the morning, train in the afternoon, and then at midnight I'd go for a run. And my mental thing was mentally I was just saying, with these guys to sleep and I'm out running, that was my one percenter of how to to beat these guys. And mate, I, I seriously had the best the best tournament at the Aussie titles and then at the Oceania as well to to qualify for the um for the Athens Olympics. I think I probably over in the Oceanus, which was the one you had to win gold, I think I had three or four fights over there, four fights and I won nearly every fight by nearly more than 20 points. Um, so wow. it, was, um, it was it was pretty good, and but mentally it was probably the best I've ever been. And then to, to go into the Athens Olympic, everything just changed. Like my whole focus for the, the Olympics was yep. totally different. It was like I'm here for a medal. I've been to Olympics before. I'm not going to get overwhelmed by them. I, the whole training changed. This is what I'm doing. Like I went to the village right over. All our new Olympians that come in and have been to Olympics before, they go, "No, oh, look at this. We got a game room there." And it's like, with me, yep. I knew from Sydney. I was like, "Yeah, I know what's happening here." And just the mindset going into that was totally different. And is it easy to get uh, distracted at the Olympics? Oh, it can be. Yeah, I think that's probably why. Like at Sydney, was a, a good learning thing for me because like Athens was totally different. I was there for one reason, that was to win something. And I think I had, I had mentally and physically and i had the best fight that i ever had uh even though i lost to the american but it was probably one of my best fights that i ever had in my career and i look back at that now and i'm pretty happy about that and um you know i remember jumping off the scales the way in the first i oh, had the the way and i had journos ring me straight away going did you make weight and i said yeah i told you i was gonna make weight yep um and then that's sort of where i told him you need to stop this story it's it's old mate like <laughs> um let's move on and um you know, and, and that was it. It was a, a really a really good tournament and fun tournament. And leading up to the Commonwealth Games in 06 in Melbourne, I was a favourite to win a, a medal there. And uh, in a really, really good side, probably the best side I've ever been in for, for Australia. And uh, I was a favourite and the Englishman was a favourite and we drew each other first round. Um, he ended up beating me and then he ended up going on winning gold and... Um, you know, it's a, a bit disappointing in that way. But the funny thing is he, he came back out to Australia to train at my gym in uh, in Queensland and uh, we, we were teammates. <laughs> so, um, you know, he, he's moved back to England now. He's got his own little family. I've got mine. And uh, we still talk and everything like that. But I remember our first training session together, we were doing our sparring and it was yep. – I got a phone call and, and my coach goes – Don Broadhurst wants to come out here and train with us. I said, right, I went and we sparring. And he told me, and I, I went down there and we we punched each other. Yeah, it was pretty funny. We went all, all out and I think wow. it was just to let the, just like the, let that frustrate, hey, you beat me there now. It's like, oh, you're in my place now. And, it's my um, turn. You know, yeah, we've been good mates ever since. And and that's what boxing can do, mate. It's like any sport, really. You know, you you have that uh, good rivalry and, um, you know, we're, we're pretty good mates now. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I love the mentality you mentioned before there um, in terms of those blokes are sleeping and I'm out here running, you're working harder than them. Can you take me inside, I guess, that whole 
mentality? Oh, I think that's just how I am now. Like half the Sydney Olympics just made me a mentally mentally stronger person. Um, but I knew I had to change something. If I was going to prove people wrong and and to do this type of stuff, it was um, I had to do something a little bit different. Uh, I know that the two training sessions weren't going to be enough. So what I did was I said, right, oh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to set my alarm at midnight every night. And I'm just going to go for a run. And um, that was sort of my little one percenter that I had to do. It's funny, like how people will tell me, like even even till now, if people tell me I can't do it, I will train and I'll get off the couch or whatever I need to do and I'll do it. It's um don't like I don't like people telling me that I can't do it. It's yeah. just a thing where I go, right, oh, here's a challenge and I love challenges and I think that's just the athlete in me and you know, I've got my little boy here. I don't like losing to him also. And he's <laughs> got to learn how to, yeah, he's got to learn how to lose. And, and that's the thing. It's, it's okay to lose. Mm. I think you, you learn, you learn a lot more losing than what you do winning. So, uh, you know, with all these kids sports and they all go, Oh, I lost and this and that. It's, it's okay to lose kids mm. because it's not going to matter until you're a senior where it really yeah. counts the most is where it's going to really count. Um, and that's how I, Basically now it's just, yeah, I just don't like people telling me what to do and oh, not to do, just, yeah, tell me that I can't um, and, yeah, just prove them wrong and, uh, yeah, not sure if you know, but, yeah, I'm training for a, a, for a marathon now, yep. which is, um, oh, mate, so even some days running now, I just go, why? Why am I doing it? Where are you at at the moment in training for that? Uh, we're nearly there. Let's, what are we, yeah. I'm up to, so I ran a half marathon not too long ago, yeah. which was pretty good down the Gold Coast. And um, I ran like, I did an hour 56, which I was pretty happy. Wow. And then, yeah. and then on last Sunday I ran, I did a 20K, which is shorter. And I struggled. <laughs> I struggled. Big time. <laughs> I got about 5K in and I didn't want to be there. And then that's where the mind game sort of play yeah. and, you just got to push through. It doesn't, you just got to, it's training. You've got to get it done. And, you know, I've got another big run this weekend on Sunday and um, let's hope that it's a better training session than what it was last time. It's, you know, I've got a few runs during the week and, but it's, it's part of training. You're going to have your good days. You're going to have your bad days. Some days can be really bad, but every time you wake up, it's got to be a new day and you start fresh. So hopefully this Sunday is a, a good day for me and, um, the legs feel okay and, and the mind's okay and we can smash it out. You mentioned having learning curves uh, in your losses. What's the biggest learning curve um, you've endured over your career? Biggest learning curve? Oof. Mate, it's probably just to be angry a little bit or mm-hmm. be upset. You can be upset, but make sure that you come back to training the next day or that whenever it is back on and yep. practice on, on the, the stuff that, um, can make you a better boxer and, and to learn it or to anything you do um, yep. and practice them, them, them little bad things where you can turn into a positive and um, use that as well to, to focus on it. Like I had to change a lot of things and I've, I've come out that other side where I end up getting most of my guys back. And, but, you know, as a, as a kid or if I was to tell anyone as a kid, like what I just said before, like it's okay to lose. You're yep. going to learn some stuff. And you've got to work out ways how to beat people. You might be good on on, a, on the back foot. You you know, you just got to 
do a little bit different things to change it up. And it's like a chess game, really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, can you take me through why, I guess, they call you the Pocket Rocket? Oh, I got called the Pocket Rocket at Sydney Olympics, I think, when I went there. Yeah, yeah so there's a nickname that came out in the paper and it sort of just stuck with me or people call me P-Rock and it's always <laughs> stayed the little Pocket Rocket. I'm only a small person uh, myself. I'm not that, that big yeah. and... Um, as a kid fighting too, it was, you know, as a, the lower weights, it's a lot fast. It's just fast and mm. fast hands, fast movements and everything like that. We don't have that much power where the knockouts are happening and, and, and stuff like that. So it's just a lot of flashy footwork as well. So the, the pocket rocket sort of suited me. Yeah, absolutely. Can you take me through what I guess one of your training sessions looks like in terms of its structure and things like that so people get an insight um, into how much work really goes on behind the scenes? In the boxing side? In the boxing side, yeah. Oh, right. Yep, okay. So like what I used to do was in the morning was our long runs or or the the sprints when I was living down the Australian Institute of Sports. So on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday was our 2,000-metre sprints and we had to do them times five. Every lap had to be under a minute 30. Um, and then so they, they were pretty tough. So I think we were running probably seven minutes in 2Ks or something like that. Um, straight from there, we'll go straight to recovery. Um, recovery was only – it was there, always there, but not as big as what it is now. So we, we'll yep. go straight to the, the, the ice bath and the sauna and stretch. Uh, go back, eat some lunch. Uh, if you had any um, – uh, massage or you need to see a doctor you go do that as well um and then on to that was then the night session was the the hardest one was where it was just a lot of partner work and yep you know just rounds and rounds and rounds of like two hours or bag work or wow. be mixed up and uh, a lot of that stuff was the night stuff was the fun stuff where you know you've sort of felt at home uh get him on it it's not fun getting beat up but you know yep. it's them type of stuff but being overseas training it was hard man like we were away from home we didn't have phones or anything like that so it was like you know we had to walk somewhere to communicate with someone write yep. emails and training with the best countries in the world and mate we used to get flogged eh? like we used to just come back and just go back to our rooms and go what are we doing here man we like just get beat up all the time and by like the best country but we were it just made us stronger, and then you know when you go yeah. when you go to a tournament and you're fighting these guys, mate, we matched it with them. It's just a, a, the big learning curve. Yeah, absolutely. Now you mentioned the AIS before. How much do you think that contributed to your overall mentality um, heading into pro pro boxing? Oh, it was it was good. I love living down in the Australian Institute of Sport. I was in and out there for ten years, and and that's where a lot of athletes were. Um, you know, it was always full of the best athletes walking around. Yeah. And um, that's what, what was really good about it. And, um, you know, the, the the thing to turn into pro, I think it's just a mental game. Like pro was a little bit different. I knew it was going to be pretty close to each other and, and things like that with – but the vibe's just different. I didn't really have a team as a professional boxer. You weren't really as a – it wasn't like a team, like you didn't have a, your group of your yeah. 12 boxes in every single way. It was just you, your coach. Yeah. And and that was a, the funny thing about it. And, you know, you always walk out there alone in the ring anyway, which was pretty scary. But 
Um, you always had your little teammates and the amateurs, but you know, if you lost in the professionals and stuff like that, it was it can be a pretty lonely, um, pretty lonely change room. What's the best um, announcement you've got from an announcer coming into the ring? Have you got like a good hype up or anything like that? Oh, not a big pipe up. Just <laughs> when you when you when you listen to them and they read what you've accomplished is probably the best thing. You sit back and go, "Whoa!" Like I've, I've you try to block it all out because you're just there trying to focus. But yeah, it's just like probably the best one was um, the best fight I probably had was probably in Hong Kong fighting for the WBC Asian Regional Title. Um, big yep. crowd, a lot of fun, and um, you know, in someone else's hometown and trying to take that build off them. Yeah, absolutely. Can you take me through the fight that won you the WBF um, Super Flyweight title? Yeah, the WBF one. So that was um, a fight versus a Thailander, and it was on the Sunshine Coast. Um, yep. It was pretty yeah, – it wasn't a bad fight. It was a lot tough. I, I I think I broke my hand in round two and continued on to win that. I think I won nearly every round, but just tough. They're just tough people to fight with, matey, and, um, you know – you just you, you know you've broken your hand, but you just got to keep going with it. It's a, a thing where you got to keep going, and um, they're just tough as nails, mate. You know, and it's good to always good to fight in front of your home crowd, anyway. Obviously, you're a favourite heading into um that 2004 Athens Olympics, coming off um a massive success um in the Australia and Oceania Championships. What was that like for you? Well, it's always good to be be a a big favourite for Australia going in there as well, and no one's won that gold medal yet. So that that's the biggest thing. So I think everyone's eyes on the prize is to be that first boxer yep. to win the gold medal, you know. Um, but mentally and physically, I was pretty happy with everything. Again, everything just seemed the smooth sailing into that as well. Um, but unfortunately, that's, you know, you've, you're fighting against the best in the world, the best 36 in the world. You're going to have your good days and bad days as well. But I was pretty on... On that day, um, like the way how I fought and competed, I just got beat by a better person on the day. Yeah. Can you recognise prior to the fight whether you're on or off? You can sort of feel it in the pads, like yep. when you do pad work in, in the change rooms. Um, you can really feel it. Like if you're on, you're on. Mentally, you're, you're on. You feel good. You're nice and loose and everything. And that and that's how I felt going into that fight at Athens. And um, But, yeah, you, you can feel the difference. If you're not on, you're not on. Um. Yeah. Now I want to chat about a fight where you were knocked out by Rex Rex Zoe, and I think you know the fight I'm talking about. Your back was up against the wall. Um, you copping blows from everywhere. You went down a couple of times throughout the match, and a couple of times. Um, in that seventh round, can you take me through what you're feeling, hearing, seeing, thinking in those moments? Yeah, mate. I remember. It was in Hong Kong. That was the WBC region, Asian regional title, and um, it was even on the scorecards actually. So I was, I was pretty in, I was in good con- control of the fight. Also, getting a little bit tired there, and I remember copping a hit at the top of my head, sort of right on the top of the the head there, and I said, "Oh," and just sort of buzzed out, and I took a knee just to take a knee and. Um, I just couldn't recover from it. Like I stood up and then I think he he sort of knew, like, you know, he got a taste of it and goes, oh, I could finish it here. And he came in. Yeah, he yeah he came in. Um, I think I caught the body shot as well. 
Um, and then another shot, and then I just I just sat there and I just I just knew that I had enough and didn't have anything in me. But it was one of them things where you know you had to try your best, and um, like you know he had a record of eighteen and eighteen and O, and I had two years off and come back and just said, well, let's give him a good run for his money, and you know I tried and unfortunately it fell short. Oh, it is, mate. Yeah, when you sit back now and you tell people, you know, how many fights you had and, you know, I lost my first 10. Yeah. Um, I had a pretty good record overseas with a lot of people as well and, you know, I got to travel the world as well at a young age and um, to have that many fights is is a lot for, for an Australian. Um, yeah. But, mate, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything, you know. I'd do it all over again and... I'd probably be a little bit smarter with how I did my weight and everything like that, but and more recovery. But you know, that's the learning things you got to learn. But to hear how many fights you had, and to you know, be lucky enough to tell my young fellow when he grows up and um, show him some of these, and um, you know, I'll have to get some of the old videos out on VCR and change them over to DVD for him, or however it's done now. So yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Can you take me through? the time and space in between fights and how you review each of your performances? Uh, it was a little bit different with the the amateur side of things. I was more of an amateur fighter than what I was as a professional fighter, but the video analyzing, we did a lot of it, of like looking at us, how we can change things, watch a lot of video on our opponents as well. We had videos, heaps of videos of our opponents, and we'd sit there and just watch how we how we can, like sort of like a plan of attack anyway. Yeah. Um, and then looking at the bad things that you would do uh, in in that fight and we'd, we'd try to fix them up and, you know, we'd have, you know, you'd have a couple of weeks in between fights and or you might be at a tournament where you're watching them and they might fight before you. Uh, you might have a fight against someone else and then you might fight them the next day. So your next day of of training of or would be video analysing them and then getting ready. So what we'll do over in, overseas, you'll have a fight in the Olympics, you'd fight, have a rest day, fight, rest day. So, you know, in between that rest day would be, you know, get your weight off, um, do a lot of video analysing on your next opponent and try to come up with that game plan for your fight. What's nutrition like in terms of post-fight, directly after the fight? Is there a lot of, um, obviously, carb loading or um, water and things like that? Yeah, it's the same. Like, you know, as, as my weight, I had to be pretty small and look after myself. And um, so after a fight, I'd probably put on about two kilos before going into a fight. A lot of people yeah. put on a lot more on as as an amateur, but um, I would eat pretty pretty low but have enough energy to fight and, you know, with your water and stuff like that, just as we would throw in our sweat gear, the water would come out straight away anyway. But, yeah, a lot of carb loading, um, you know, your parsley, your rice and then into the fight. How important is your Indigenous connection when fighting um, and representing your culture proud? Oh, yeah, I love representing, uh, you know, Australia, my culture also. You know, I'm a proud Aboriginal man from Dungutty, Kempsey, New South Wales. Um, I'm the 23rd Indigenous Olympian out of 60. There's only 60 of us um, out of 4,300. And culture is a big thing to me. I've got to pass that on. You know, I've, I've, you know, my grandmother was a stolen generation and my mum also with, you know, so I've, I've got that in me and I've got to pass that down to, I've got to pass that down onto my child also. And um, I'm very proud of, of, of who I am and what I've done, but not only for my people also, but for my country as well. 
it's uh, a big thing and there's, there's not many um, Indigenous Olympians and this is what we're hoping now. My, my job now is to uh, hopefully I can be a role model for these young Indigenous athletes and we can get more Olympians, Indigenous Olympians, also Olympians to uh, Brisbane 2032. Obviously on the Olympic Committee, how are you feeling with um, a, year, uh, a year exactly um, in the lead up to this Paris Olympics? Yeah, no, it's going to be very exciting. Like, you know, when the Olympics come on, I don't sleep for two weeks. It's yeah. uh, just watching, you know, with, and especially with the time difference over there. So it's going to be some late nights. But uh, I think we're in a, a really good spot, you know, women's sports dominating everywhere. And uh, I think we'll ha- once again have more female Olympians and, and a lot of world records. And there's always one athlete that comes out of nowhere and, you know, she's the next yeah. big star or the, he's the next big star. And, I really believe we can get another medal in the boxing also. And, um, you know, we've had one and we need another one just to, you know, keep us in this, um, you know, moving forward with Australia boxing as well. What's the opening ceremonies like when you walk out um, to the massive crowd and you see the Australian flag What's and you're wearing the blaze? What's that all like? Mate, it's crazy. It is the craziest thing you I remember walking around Sydney like it was – I don't remember much about Athens. I don't know why I yep. don't remember much about Athens. But Sydney Olympics, I remember how crazy it was. There was 110,000 people just hanging over the fence, just cheering, trying to grab you. Um, you know, we had to sit in the Superdome for ages. And it's, uh, it's, it is a really long night, but you're sitting in there with the best athletes in the world. Like, you get starstruck, you know. You're just sitting there going, oh, there's that, there's that, you know. Um but, you know, it's it's crazy, like, the amount of support that we had from Australian, um, you know, fans was ridiculous. And it's like when I when I think about it, I still get cold shivers from walking out of Sydney Olympics. What's been the highlight uh, of your career? Highlight of my career? Uh, look, it would probably be my Athens Olympic fight. There was, you know, even though I've lost, but I had a lot – I had to get a lot of respect back and, you know, I had a lot of, I had to prove a lot of people wrong and I did that. And that's when yeah. I called myself an Olympian. I didn't call myself an Olympian in, in, um, in Sydney until I went to the Athens Olympics only because I failed to make weight. And for me, that was a failure. Um, yeah. So Athens Olympics was probably my best Olympic games and probably my best highlight, even though I lost, I learned a lot from that. Yeah, absolutely. Brad, thanks so much for joining us on the show today. It's been in, uh, an absolute honour to have you on. No worries, Max, mate. You have a good weekend and thanks for having us on, buddy. Thanks, Brad. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Stay tuned, everyone, for another episode of Sporting Max. We'll see you soon. This is Sporting Max with Max Becker on SEM.